It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Just when you thought Nick Nurse's lineup decisions couldn't get any dumber, he goes and does something like put in an amazing lineup to win the Raptors their second straight game against the Nets and totally redeem himself. We will dig into the Nick Nurse lineups that swung the game against the Nets on Tuesday night. We will also hand out some flowers to Scotty Barnes, Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent Jr., and more, plus a very special due to the game to hand out at the end of the show. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that cabbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1129 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, March the 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can subscribe to, follow, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On The House. Please go and do that to support the show. Anyway, you can. It's free to do that, so please uh, take some time. Also, you can go to YouTube and subscribe for free as well. It's very much appreciated when you do that or if you plan on doing that in the near future. As always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And let's get to it. Your Toronto Raptors have won two games in a row, both over the Brooklyn Nets. Huge, huge implications in the standings in the Eastern Conference, which we'll dig into on today's show. Also going to look at a pair of lineup decisions by Nick Nurse that really swung this game for the Raptors, almost in the bad way, but then he saved himself with a really good call in the fourth quarter. Uh, plus, we've got to hand out some love. You know, Scotty Barnes, Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent Jr. really won this game for the Raptors. Barnes was unbelievable again. We'll talk about those guys in the box score notes section of the podcast, and we have a very cool due to the game to hand out later on uh, not a player on the Raptors. Let's just, uh, we'll tease with that. Uh, and uh, I'm also going to offer my thoughts on the certain booing that went on last night. But let's dive into first the lineup decisions that I think really swung this game uh, almost out of the Raptors' favor and then back into it. So in the third quarter, the Raptors and Nets are locked in a bit of a deadlock. It's pretty close. It's kind of back and forth. One possession game on either side, more or less the entire way. The Raptors really, really struggling to carve open the Nets zone. Not something we're terribly surprised by at this point. They've not been very good 
against zones this season. We've seen them really bogged down. Yes, they're able to kind of counteract it sometimes with their offensive rebounding and kind of fall ass backwards into scoring buckets against the zone. But for the most part, they have a really hard time initially breaking it down. And we saw that going on again last night, especially with no Fred Van Vliet, no OG Ananobi. They're just so prone to being zoned up by opposing teams, and they really need to shoot themselves out of it. And they did not get what they got the night before in the form of like a rain of corner threes from Precious Achua, Chris Boucher, and Thad Young. Really, only Thad was hitting threes for the team last night. And they were just stuck in the mud against the zone more often than not. There were some moments where it looked pretty nice, some good cutting. They did a pretty good job, I think, of finding ways to get out on the run and attack the zone before it was even set. And we saw that in the third quarter with a couple of Scotty Barnes drives and finishes, Pascal Siakam as well. But for the most part, if they were up against a set zone, they were having a really hard time. Lots of sort of, you know, what I call the new triangle, which is the Raptors have three guys who are tall, who can't shoot really within like six feet of one another in a triangle, just throwing quick passes, try to break something open. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's just funny and weird. And sometimes it's a disaster. But that's what we really saw for the lion's share of the game last night. I think Nick Nurse pointed out they, the, the Nets were in the zone for like 40 minutes last night of the total game. They just completely spammed the Raptors with zone and dared them to beat them. And in the third quarter, the Raptors were up 77-75. There were about three minutes to go. It seemed like they were going to try to ride their sort of way to the end of the third quarter with Gary Trent Jr. kind of being the center of the offense. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam was sitting on four fouls. Scotty Barnes uh, went, went to take a breather on the bench as well. And they had a lineup of Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent Jr., Thad Young, Precious Achua, and Chris Boucher on the floor. Not amazing, but considering the guys you're out uh, that you have out of the lineup, not the worst to have Gary Trent Jr. on the floor is kind of the center piece of things. Malachi Flynn, quite good as well, who we'll get to here. Um, maybe that was going to be a lineup you could survive with. And then Nick Nurse pulled one of the most baffling decisions I can recall, and he swapped Delano Banton in for Gary Trent Jr. to close the quarter, leaving the Raptors with four non-traditional shooters, that's to put it kindly, uh, with Malachi Flynn kind of at the, the point of attack, and they just had nothing, and they instantly gave up an 11-0 run as the offense sputtered. They couldn't get back on defense. It was just death by transition in that section of the game. Uh, they got a couple points back. They closed the quarter uh, with a 14-4 to run, the Nets do, and go into the fourth, leading by eight. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, no, that decision has maybe swung the play-in race here. I've been talking about this all week. I will continue to talk about it today. Last night's game had massive implications for the Eastern Conference standings. Of course, we've talked about it ad nauseum so far this week, but there's a reason for it. I think it's really kind of a, a huge inflection point for the season here. Win last night, and the Raptors are in the position they're in today. They're up four games in the loss column on the Nets. The Nets have 19 games to play, and the tiebreaker is still to play for because the season series is 2-2. The next division, the next tiebreaker is in-division record. Um, it, it actually is division winner, but that's not going to be either the Raptors or the Nets. And so it's division record, and those teams are both 7-5 seven to seven and five against Atlantic Division opponents right now. So that's still to play for. And it's just a huge, like basically a three-game swing in the standings last night represented. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, like what's Nick Nurse doing? I get that they want to do development and they want to see what they have in Banton, et cetera. But like 
not the time for that considering the stakes at play in the game. And I honestly felt like I had written it in my recap. I'm in the building writing my recap, and I wrote about how Nick Nurse's lineup decision maybe kind of swung the play-in race back of the Nets' favor, at least for the seventh seed, that is. Uh, not the case because Nick Nurse comes out in the fourth quarter after a couple minutes where it's scoreless. He makes a swap. He puts Malachi Flynn in for Precious Achua to complete a lineup of Flynn, Trent, Thad Young, Scotty Barnes, and Pascal Siakam. And that five, basically the best five-man unit I think you can find right now with the Raptors with no Fred or OG. There's a lot of shooting out there, or at least relatively speaking, a lot of shooting compared to the regular lineups the Raptors have been running out. Um, you have like two and a half reasonable shooters. That's a win, baby. And so that lineup goes on a 19-7 to run over the next six-plus minutes. Their defense was completely smothering. They got a ton of stops in a row. Pascal Siakam was just wonderful on the back line as he has been so often this season. Malachi Flynn at the point of attack, like he's just very annoying. He's not like thick or mean. He's not going to like overpower guys with his strength at that spot. He's not Marcus Smart, for example, but he's got really good hands. He's pretty crafty. He's pretty annoying. Going to jump passing lanes. He did a really damn good job. Pat Scotty Barnes, you know, picking up steals and things like that kind of all over the place too. And so Really, really good stuff from that lineup. Completely swung the game. They finally were able to carve up the zone. Malachi Flynn hit a three. Gary Trent Jr. hit a three. Sorry. Yeah, Trent Jr. hit a three. Uh, Thad Young hit a three off of a pass. Uh, Malachi Flynn pass. Like, Thad's been knocking down threes like crazy. It's beautiful to see. Uh, that lineup just made a lot of sense geometrically on the floor. And it ended up winning the Raptors the game, more or less. Pascal fouls out with like 250 left. After that, you get Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. and Malachi Flynn really kind of inspirationally closing things out guys who are 23 22 or 23 maybe Flynn, Flynn, Flynn's case and 20 closing out the game uh really impressive stuff with Siakam getting fouled out and uh yeah that that, that lineup change for Nick Nurse to put that group in and really ride it you know we were kind of waiting to see that I've liked the lineups they've used so far where you have the Thad Siakam Barnes trio and then some form of shooting in the backcourt I think it was Flynn and Utah they had as in a stretch of the first game against the Nets on Monday this time, of course, Trent in for Utah in this situation. It just made a lot of sense. And, of course, they uh, went on and beat a pretty pathetic <laughs> Nets roster. Like, look, the Nets did a really good job of staying in this game. Their zone kind of mucked things up and added variance. And the Raptors were pretty hesitant to shoot threes in this one. They only shot, uh, what was it, like 23 threes in the game. Like, normally you see them really kind of hoist up shots against the zone. Yeah, they were 7-23. to 23. They did not do that because I just think they realized none of us really have a chance of kind of busting the zone on our shooting alone. And so they had to kind of figure out other ways to do it. And when you get Siakam and Barnes and Thad out there in particular, you get such good cutting and space and like movement within the sort of channels of the zone. And it ended up working out quite well. So good job by the Raptors to close things out there with that lineup. And uh, good on Nick Nurse for redeeming himself big time with his uh, sort of cover-up job uh, fixing the mistake he made at the end of the third where he gave up 10 points uh, for no reason at all. Just a very, very silly lineup call. But hey, it all worked out, which is nice to see. On the other side, we are going to dig into uh, just some box score notes, run through how some certain guys performed over the game. We will close out with the dude of the game as well. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy 
made easy. I know you've been looking for a daily fantasy NBA option that's fun and is going to be rewarding. And prize picks is the answer. You pick two to five players in an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers the way it's supposed to be. There's no shadow expert behind the scenes putting together some lineup that you have no idea what it is. It's just the projections that you are competing against. They are safe. They offer fast withdrawals, and you can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. And they offer any prop you can think of, from points scored to rebounds, even steals. You can also do mixed sport entries. So maybe, you know, the college basketball season is going on. You want to double up a, an NBA, you know, pick along with the college basketball pick with March Madness going on. You can absolutely do that. No problem whatsoever for a limited time. Prize picks has an exclusive. Ah, has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That is like a free $50 bill just dropped into your pocket. I don't know why you wouldn't take advantage of that. You just got to use the promo code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on listeners only. Sign up today. Use the code NBA for $50 bucks for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Go check them out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Diving into some box score notes from last night's win over the Nets. We should probably begin with Malachi Flynn a little bit more in depth. He was tremendous in this game. I don't think he was their best player. I think that probably goes to Scotty Barnes, but... Considering what Flynn's been through this season and the many missed opportunities he's sort of had this year, he's gotten shots and Nick Nurse has been asked ad nauseum, well, why haven't you been playing Malachi Flynn more? Because he hasn't been doing this. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, we have not seen this sort of taking of the reins, the seizing of the opportunity that Malachi Flynn has done over the last couple of games here in any of the other pockets where he's gotten run this year. Lots of sort of wonky shooting lines when he's had the chance, and it just has not lined up for him. And it is now, and he's getting extra minutes and love for it as a reason. He played 43 minutes last night. He was totally essential to what the Raptors were doing. And, you know, against the zone, he really was kind of their biggest weapon. Yes, the sort of interior passing of Thad and Scotty and, and Siakam was really nice. And, you know, Trent kind of got in there. Trent was kind of working the middle of the zone a couple times, like in that floater range, which was kind of funny. Um, but Flynn had the most juice to get around guys. He had like a gorgeous, uh, you know, he was really kind of getting in transition. Had this gorgeous in, in and out hezzy dribble and scored like bloody easily around LaMarcus Aldridge made him look every bit the 39 year old man that he is or whatever he is at this point um like did a good job of attacking early and then when they were up against that set defense I kind of felt the best about him getting some sort of movement going to the rim right they were trying to run some pick and roll for him within the zone they were kind of letting him size guys up and try to go and, and, and get by them one-on-one. -on -one. Didn't work all the time. He got stonewalled by James Johnson a couple times here and there. But other times he did kind of get into the range where, okay, I have room for a floater or a pull-up mid-range or whatever it might be. 
They used a lot more pick and roll with him. That's obviously a thing that he's always been vaunted for is his pick and roll capabilities. Not a heavy pick and roll team that he's been drafted to. But last night, I think like the first possession of the game or the second possession, they ran a side pick and roll with Scotty Barnes. He walked into an easy mid-rangers. They ran some pick and roll with him and Pat Pascal as well. It's nice to see that they're kind of playing to Malachi Flynn's strengths. And he's taking advantage of it. And the shot making has been awesome. He was 6 of 11 last night after going 7 of 11 on Monday, 2 of 5 from downtown. And then he had the six boards and the eight assists in this one as well. The eight assists, man. Like, he's just diving into the heart of the defense. It's an element the Raptors don't have a ton of, obviously. We know Pascal can get into the teeth of the defense. But with Pascal, he's always driving into, like, four different guys. And it becomes pretty tricky for him to make those reads sometimes. He does it damn well. We've seen it all season long. But with Flynn, he's not commanding that same kind of attention. So it almost feels like those reads are a little bit easier for him to make. You know, if he had two, three guys draped over him, he's so small that he would worry that it might be a problem. But he hasn't quite built up that level of threatening nature for other teams to be worried about just yet. And so he's kind of got those avenues to drive and then find shooters. You know, he'll find one helper's guy or whatever it might be. Uh, he's looking really good doing it, and, and it's uh, an element that I'm pretty excited to see in practice a little bit more. And I'm honestly starting to get like visions of two point guard, point guard lineups once again. This is something the Raptors have obviously been famous for for the last five, six, seven years. They've always had a couple of guards they can throw out there in a backcourt and feel pretty good about it. And this might be a, an example of, hey, like it, maybe sometimes when you get into these situations where the zone is giving you trouble or you just need a little bit of extra playmaking juice – you want to keep Fred Van Vliet, you know, off the ball where he's really, really damn effective. He's like the best catch and shoot shooter in the entire NBA on high volume this year. You want to have an extra ball handler out there. You're not overtaxing Siakam. Flynn is a really nice potential option to throw in there in some lineups. And you're not going to be too hurt by the size because, yeah, you're small in the backcourt, but you're usually 6'8", 6'9", all the way across your front court as well. So you're kind of making up for it there. This is not small ball like it was last season where it's two six-foot guards and a six-foot-three shooting guard playing small forward. It's small ball, but a lot bigger. So I'm excited by the potential of that. And Nick Nurse spoke about how happy he is to see him kind of seizing this opportunity finally. And the way he's kind of talking about that, the way other guys in the team, you know, Gary Trent Jr. talking about how he's just kind of always stayed ready so he doesn't have to get ready when the time comes for him to get thrust into action. The reviews of how he's kind of stayed professional and quiet and sort of, you know, head to the grindstone, all of this, is that head to the grindstone, nose to the grindstone, hands? I, I don't know. Uh, either way, you can tell me in the comments uh, whether I, I've, I've messed up that turn of phrase. But either way, the way he's kind of kept reserved but also ready to go and not getting all sort of bent out of shape, not posting in Facebook groups about how he's not getting time, calling his coach Nick Nursery, uh, you know, that type of stuff. It, it's been really impressive. And it seems like they are kind of coming around on Flynn within the team in a way that they maybe weren't before. So really cool stuff there. Also want to talk about Scotty Barnes, who was uh, just brilliant in this one. 18 points, 10 boards, 4 assists, 8 of 13. Was probably their best guy when it came to getting into the middle of the zone and kind of carving things up from in there and in the fourth quarter man he just kind of had a vibe about him like i'm not losing this goddamn game uh it was really really special to watch you know he had the sort of uh hilarious extremely suave flip shot that he put up 
Uh, it wasn't a flip shot. He kind of flipped up a mid-range jumper, but it just kind of looked so casual that it felt like a flip shot kind of. Um, you know, he picks up his dribble. The clock's winding down. He's kind of stuck and painted into a corner. And he just puts it up. Easy cash. Not a problem. Done. Uh, move back and play defense. And he just was kind of, again, doing the thing where he's just in all the right pockets, all the right, you know, bits of space that are there to occupy. He's in there. Um, just, I mean, what do you do about this guy? He's incredible. He had a huge block, of course, late in the game as well, and more or less sealed it. He had the game deciding rebound as well. He was in the muck on the offensive glass. He earned themselves, he earned the team a possession just by fighting for an offensive board and ended up going off the guy he was competing against. Scotty Barnes, man, he had a bit of a sort of slowdown, it seemed, before the All-Star break. I would imagine it's kind of helping him a little bit to kind of get his feet back and sort of in the action that honestly OG Ananobi and Fred VanVleet aren't there because he's going to have a little bit more of action and a little bit more in terms of usage and a role within the team. That's something to watch when Fred and OG eventually come back. But, you know, even if he has to kind of go back to being a very good role player, I think that's entirely fine because he's good at that stuff too. But we saw what he could do with a little bit more on-ball responsibility in this one, and it was uh, quite exciting. And I, I just don't know how you can leave these games not feeling just thrilled about Scotty Barnes and where he potentially could go with his trajectory based on what he already is. It's just wonderful stuff. A um, couple other notes. I mean, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., once again, not terribly efficient. 7 of 19 for Pascal. He started off pretty well. Was kind of cold. To, I think he started 5 of 9, finished 2 of 10. Uh, you know, the touch still a little bit wayward, but the defense was unbelievable. He had 6 assists once again. Had eight boards, was really helping on the defensive glass, especially in that fourth quarter stretch when they went 19 to seven after that sub with like, I think, 923 to play before he fouled out. Um, you know, and he also talked after the game about how he's finally feeling better from the sickness he was dealing with over the weekend. He even mentioned after the game that he thought he had COVID again. Um, which has to have been scary because, of course, COVID has derailed a lot in Pascal Siakam's career in the last couple of seasons. Um, so glad that uh, obviously it's a false alarm there. But, you know, he seems like he's kind of coming out of a, of a little bit. The last two games, definitely his best two games of the four since the All-Star break. And you're seeing the slow progression back into sort of a, a more comfortable feel. He hit some mid-range jumpers last night, which was really good to see because he's been totally off on those so far. So, yeah, 7 of 19 is not amazing, but he was just completely overly impactful in every other part of the game and it didn't really matter um and then gary Trent jr i mean look he he can really kind of bother you sometimes with his shot selection and sometimes when he's not hitting his looks like you're like is this guy really someone we should be giving most of our shots to or like the highest usage or second highest usage on the team to uh but last night you know Credit to him. He really found a way to make it work, even though he wasn't hitting everything. Again, just three of nine from downtown, six of 17 overall. But he was a team best plus 20. And he also had seven assists, which is now 12 for him in the last two games, kind of taking up an extra playmaking mantle with no Van Vliet or Ananobi in the lineup. And that's pretty great to see as well. Do I think it's going to be like a long-term thing where he's like an excellent playmaker? I kind of don't know about that. Like he feels like he's wired to be more of a play finisher than anything else. And that's totally fine. Everybody needs play finishers. That's something you got to have on your team. Um, but it's cool to see that he's expanding his game a little bit here. He got a lot of drives in last night. Some of them nice, some of them not so nice, but he's getting to the rim a little bit more often. He got nine free throw attempts. A couple of those were, uh, you know, granted to them by defensive three second violations by the Nets. A couple of those that were pretty untimely for them late in the game. Um, but yeah, overall, Trent kind of finding a way to, to grind through that back part of the game. Trent, Flynn, and Barnes, really, like the, the three standout guys from this game who made it all work. 
I also think Ken Birch deserves a shout out. He finally kind of found his interior touch once again. I've talked, you know, this week about how he's been really bad from the rim. You know, I think he was at like 55, 56% when last we checked, way behind the likes of even Fred Van Vliet, for example, around there. And he scored a lot around the bucket in this one. Offensive putbacks, you know, finding in, you know, nice little cuts into space, things like that. I uh, really liked what Ken Birch did in this one. I still think Precious Achua is probably the guy I'd prefer starting, but Achua was not very good last night. Uh, it only got 18 minutes of action, which I think is just too low considering what he does defensively. That said, the offense was by far the bigger problem last night and they needed that extra juice and you know a dad young as a small ball five was a totally reasonable way for me uh in my eyes for them to close the game which is what they did so uh, you know i'm sure precious will get back in there i'm sure bet birch will continue to start until you know he kind of really plays himself out of it and maybe he's playing himself back into being a little bit more of a reliable player here it was good to see from last night after a pretty tough season so far for ken birch one of his better games for sure. Uh, that's it for the sort of run through the box score. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to hand out the due to the game to a very special due to the game recipient, and we will uh, round up the show. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the world. You got to check them out. If you're someone who's already given up on all your New Year's resolutions to be healthier and eat healthier, that's okay. You're not always going to stick to eating right, but Built Bars can help you kind of uh, lessen the blow of going back into old habits. As a Excuse me, as opposed to, you know, reaching for the candy bar or the bag of gummies or whatever it might be, go and have yourself a built bar when you're feeling like you want something sweet and something indulgent because it will scratch that itch without being overly uh, indulgent, really. Like it's a wonderful way to sort of find the middle ground. Uh, the built bar, the average built bar contains 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and seven grams of protein. The average candy bar, for example, has 240 calories at minimum, 30 grams of sugar. That's like eight times as much sugar. That's so much sugar and dozens of net carbs. You get flavors that run the gamut from mint brownie to coconut to white chocolate cookies and cream as a limited time option right now and everything in between. They have nut and nut-free flavors, of course, if that's something you are uh, you're affected by as well. And it's keto-friendly too. So go and check out Bill Bar. They're all about the taste. They make it tasty first, and then figure out how to make it healthy. They pull it off every single time. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at built.com. Hey, guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we round out the show here with a very special dude of the game. Uh, you know, it's a dude of the game that we haven't had the option to hand out uh, for the last few months. Finally got it last night, and it came in a very loud and very boo-heavy form. The dude of the game, the dudes of the game, if you will, are the fans themselves. It was wonderful being back in the building last night with fans 
in the stands. Look, you can quibble as to whether or not it's actually sound public health-wise. I will trust the science decision makers. I'll trust MLSE's done their due diligence on this. I don't know, man. I, I, it's above my pay grade to know whether or not it's actually a good thing. But shout out to everybody who had their masks on all night long. Like really, anytime there was a Jumbotron pan, very few people not wearing their masks, which was pretty comforting and nice to see. But really, the crux of why they're the dude of the game is that the fans were just awesome last night. Super raucous, super angsty. Got some refuse suck chants, which was amazing. Um, and of course, the big sort of uh, highlight of the fan experience last night was Goran Dragic and the many boos rained down upon him. And look, I think there's sort of uh, there's two sides onto whether or not it was cool for the Raptors fans to boo Goran Dragic. I think you're probably a fool if you didn't think the most petty fan base in the NBA, which I'm saying that out of entirely love. It's cool. Being petty is fine. It's sports. It doesn't matter. Be as petty as you want. I'm not here to tell you how to be a fan. You know, I think it was kind of naive to think that they weren't going to boo a guy who, you know, back in the summer said he didn't really want to be in the Raptors situation and wanted to play for a contender or whatever it might. It was a little mis mistranslated. I think that was kind of established, but still that rung true. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's going to stick with Raptors fans without a doubt. Like the, the Raptors fans are not forgetting things. They're not going to not hold a grudge. Add that to the fact that maybe there was some bad blood from some heat battles in the previous years between the Raptors and, and Miami when Gorn was on that team. You know, Trip and OG, I think he was even on that playoff team back in 15-16, now that I'm thinking about it. Like, there's lots of reasons to not like Goran Dragic. That said, I mean, he, he didn't really do anything wrong when he was on the Raptors, if we're being totally above board here. Like, he came, he showed up. Scotty Barnes was speaking glowingly of him. It seemed like all the young guys really liked him. Last night, Pascal Siakam was like, I don't really know why people were booing him. I liked Goran, but hey, I'll take it, I guess. You know, the Raptors players didn't seem to have a problem with him. For the front office, honestly, they deserve as much sort of scorn for how this whole, whole thing went down as Goran does. If there's any scorn to be handed out, you know, the Raptors, you know, brought him in and then they just kind of sent him away when he had a personal matter and when he wanted to come back or when, when he could come back. They just kind of decided, eh, we're going to trade you anyway. Just hang out and that's fine. It was a mutually agreed upon thing. So, yeah, the basis for booing Dragic is a little bit flimsy, I suppose. That said, I don't care. It was awesome. It was so fun to see Raptors fans after months pent up, get loud, get into Goron. And, and like Goron shout it to him. You know, he missed some free throws that the, the place went nuts as though Giannis were missing free throws in the playoffs. Like, that's how loud it felt when he missed those free throws early on. Um, you know, it, it, it was just a fun vibe. And it wasn't like an overly like it, it wasn't like Vince Carter coming back. Right. Where it's oh, this is like heated and hateful and like some real animosity is here between fans and player. It felt more playful than that with Dragic. And, you know, he hit a big shot over Pascal, I think, at one point, raised a finger to the crowd. He kind of bought into it all as well. It was fine. Like, I think, yeah, maybe he didn't really deserve it for what he did with the team. Ultimately, he was traded for by the Raptors and not used by the Raptors, despite offering things that were kind of in need from the roster at the early part of the season. They opted not to bring him in and play him. And that's fine. A totally reasonable call by the Raptors. Could they have been a little bit more sort of like uh, communicative with the fan base as to what was actually going on? I think absolutely. I think it probably would have saved Gordon quite a few boos last night if they were a little bit more upfront about what was going on, why he was away from the team, why it was their decision to not have him around. But 
you know, you leave it to the fan base to kind of draw their own conclusions as to why he's not around. And you see him at Miami Heat games and you're going to draw your conclusions. And those conclusions will be that this dude should have his ass booed when he returns. And that's a totally reasonable way to look at it as a fan. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And, you know, sports hate is inherently silly. We boo people in, in sports all the time, and you know, when you boil it down, the rationale is is whack <laughs> to begin with, but that's why it's fun. It's cool. It's like wrestling, and that is a, a totally fine way to approach things. And so, yeah, did, did Goran really deserve it? Probably not, but was it awesome? Absolutely it was, and a boo is all you want. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it at all. A little light sports hate never hurt anybody. Uh, and, you know, I also just think the, the crowd was great, and I'm glad that the game kind of ended up being close as well down the stretch because the crowd really was bananas during that stretch. They were super loud. They were super into it. They were really energetic, and you could tell it was just kind of a relief from everybody to have the fans back in the stands. You know, the, the guys and the players, like, they've not really talked a lot about the impact of playing in front of quiet gyms. You know, they, they talk about how you could hear everything and et cetera. But they did seem like earnestly thankful and happy to have the fans back last night. Um, Nick Nurse, funnily enough, like he's like, I didn't really notice them until uh, they started booing Goran when he came in. And I was worried that they were going to keep on booing during Gary Trent Jr.'s free throws that were ongoing. And I was really hoping they would stop so he could put them up. Uh, everyone seemed to have fun with the whole boo thing last night. It was great. <laughs> like asking Trent and Siakam and Nurse about it, they all chuckled and laughed and had a good time with it. Uh, I think there's probably no bad blood on anybody's side here or anything like that. But yeah, shout out to the fans. Really great to see people back. Shout out to them wearing masks and stuff too. Shout out as well to uh, Leela's Roti and Doubles, who I finally got to have once again back in the building. Just a delight. We love Leela's Roti and Doubles. Uh, anyway, we will round out the show there with uh, with that. Thank you so much for tuning in, of course. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow, a non-game day uh, to recap. There will be a game for the Raptors tomorrow night against the Detroit Pistons, which they're sure to lose. So it's a damn good thing they picked up the win last night. Um, but we'll have an episode for you tomorrow. Not exactly sure what the shape of it will be just yet, but hang tight. And then on Friday, we will recap the game against the Pistons, the inevitable eight-point loss as Cade Cunningham goes for 58 points or something like that. Some horrible thing will befall the Raptors, I'm sure. Uh, but we'll get into that on Friday's episode of the show. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on NBA is there covering all things NBA. I know for a fact they talked about the Raptors game on the show last night, so go and check it out. A new set of hosts every single day, digging into the big action from the night before, so go and listen and subscribe on all your favorite podcast apps and platforms. You can do the same for Locked on Raptors. You can find us on YouTube, all that good stuff. We'll be back again Thursday. Until then, have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.